Welcome to Living the Authentic Life. Today, I am here with one of my favorite ladies Aww. about town, Laura Bell. And I, Rob is not here, but he mm. loves to call her Lara Bell. Lara as Bell. if it's her first name mm -hmm. and not her first and last name. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, but he is not with us today. He's only here in spirit. So Rob was mm -hmm. featured on the cover of her incredible memorial magazine. Where is this one of them? <gasps> Look at how cute my husband is. He's kind of handsome, isn't he? It turned out really <laughs> cute. It did. So people are like, oh, my God, how did you even get on the cover of a magazine? And I said, well... We've been friends for a long time, and people now are really noticing Rob, and his story's pretty It's a cool story. It is. It's a cool story. Yes. For sure. So, um, but we're not here to talk about him today. We no. are here to talk about you. Friendship. Yes. Friendship, connection, mm -hmm. uh, community, belonging, and you are a woman of distinction. You have... Along with you. Um, and... Um, Together, like, we have this amazing community of women in Houston that mm -hmm. do incredible things. But you're a little different, as am I, to the fact that we're working girls. We actually we have a job yes. in addition to the, what we do in the community. And you mm -hmm. have this long line of broadcasting background. I do. And you went from working and having your own show um, and were public affairs director at KTBU mm -hmm. and then produced Tube Talk and then Wild About Houston. Mm -hmm. So tell us how a Houstonian <laughs> memorial girl, so many young girls want to be on TV. How'd you do that? And then now you own your own magazine? Yes. You go, girl. I'm, girl a, girl, boss. I'm a girl boss. I've been wanting to be a girl boss. I'm finally a girl boss. Um, no, so really what happened is I think a lot of kids they know from a young age mm -hmm. if what they want to do with their with their career. I was one that happened to know. You know, I was like pretending to be a reporter and I would knock on neighbors' doors and I like had a tennis ball with tin foil all around it and I would be shoving, you know, fake microphones in people's faces. And so I always knew that I was going to work in television. I wasn't sure how but I always knew I was going to work in television. And I think what really did it for me was um, I was it was in 1992. The Republican National Convention was here in Houston and I was able to be a page for Dan Rather. And oh, so, my gosh. Yes. I got so I'm for like, you. you know, I'm like 20. I don't know. I'm young and I got to be a page for him. And so I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so from that moment on, I really fast-tracked, you know, and I got an internship. I think I was making maybe $3.35 an hour at the community television station, and I was there for five years, and I was really able to sink my teeth and, and learn the business um, before I moved over to KTBU. And I was there for 14 years. My Pretty much my whole career was at KTBU. And then I left in 2011. And it was a hard decision to leave because I had a very successful show. You know, um, it, it was just, it was fun. It was a lot of work. But I had a third grader and a kindergartner. I would feel guilty, you know, and I know you moms are out there are the same way. You feel guilty missing work. You know, for, you know, to get to the kids' little school plays and, 
you know, after school stuff. But then you would feel guilty about missing the plays if you had to shoot. You know, it was just it was a it was an internal conflict for me. Okay, I said that Tuesday we had an all day Bible study, and that's exactly what I said. It is. It's a, I have it's a conflict. Finally, at fifty two. Mm-hmm. found balance but i still have moments of guilt no matter what i'm doing right that i'm not am doing, doing something else am i doing the right thing am i here for my family am i here for my career you know it was it was not an easy decision now i'd been working for this magazine a little community magazine for so i like since 2004 just writing a monthly column she paid me like 100 bucks a month <laughs> you know and so i went to the owner in 2011 i said listen you know, we're a two-income family. I said, I'm considering leaving the station. Would you have a bigger role for me here? And she was like, oh, my gosh, yes. And, you know, if you left the station, you know, I'll pay you, like, $35,000 a year. And I was like, okay. You know, like, it was no money, but at least I had a little bit of income coming in, you know, just to help. And Honey, I made sixteen thousand a year when I worked for the advertising agency, See? I mean, following yes. my passion. And exactly. I think that's what so many young kids aren't understanding. They don't now. understand. They want they want to graduate from college and go in and make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. It's like pay your dues, kids. Like we had to pay our dues. Like you know, it's not. You know, don't. It, it's not. It's not like that. You just you have to pay your dues. Yes. Um, but anyway, so. I actually went and I talked to the owner of the TV station because he and I were very close. And um, I told him what I was doing, and he totally supported me. And, um, you know, I left the station, and it was in August of 2011. And it was like a shock to me because it was like for all I knew was getting up in the morning and going to work. You know, like, and the, the magazine was more of a work from home, be in your community. You know, so it was a totally different thing. It was um, almost like you were living your life and able to write about it. It was weird. It was it was just totally different. And literally about two weeks after I left the station, I'd been at my new job for two weeks. The owner of the magazine, who I'd written for for many years, like probably six years, takes me to lunch. And she was like, listen. I've got some good news and some bad news. And you never want to hear that when you're when you left a job that you'd been at for 14 years, you know. And she was like, I sold the magazine, but the new owners know exactly who you are and they're super excited. So oh, I was like, goodness. Oh, thank gosh. You know. <laughs> so, you know, I went working I was working for the new owners for about three years. And then they came to me and and offered they wanted me to buy the magazine they were ready to move on and um i got all the funding together i was so excited and this is this is how this this was a big thing in my life this is this was a big deal you know this was 2013 i got all the funding together i had the letter of intent signed you know attorneys everything and a couple days before closing, she called me and she said, listen, I've changed my mind. I'm, I'm going to sell it to my best friend instead. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, what'd you just say? Like, shock. Um, but, you know, what do you do in that position? This is where, this is where you know, you're at a fork in the road. What do you do? So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to keep being my best self because it's obviously not in the plan, there's something else going on, bigger and better. And 
something bigger and better wasn't in the plan, however, immediately. But a few weeks later is when we found out my mom had lung cancer. And so I dealt with that for a year and then her brain cancer and then her death. And so for me, you know, when things like that happen, you know, I don't know what's coming down the road, but God has the plan. And he saw he he was protecting me. He knew you needed the time to be he with your mom. He knew I needed the time. I could not have started a new business, you know, and been there for my mother. And just that's just the way it worked out exactly how it was supposed to. Now, when she passed in 2016, I went to the owner of the magazine and I was like, listen, I'm not happy. You know, I you neither you need to sell me the magazine or I'm going to start my own and go up against you. And you, you really you don't, don't want, want that. You don't want that. You know, <laughs> you just don't want that. And um, she was like, you're right. I will sell you the magazine. So what's ironic is we actually closed on April 12th of 2017, 2017. We closed April 12th. And I was looking back on, you know, I had like a file of buying the magazine. And... Three years prior on April 12th is when she pulled it. The original, the lady who told me she was going to sell it pulled it from me. I call that a God wink. That's a God wink. Three years to the date I closed. And so it was like, I felt like, you know, that was God's way of putting a period at the end and saying, this is why it was not sold to you back then. You know, now it's yours. And so... And that's something in interviewing people that I find that are successful, and I define successful as people that um, are committed to their family, their mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. and community. To yes. me, it's a balance, what I really see in people, because that's the people that exude joy. Mm-hmm. And that's been a consistent thing with so many of our guests and leaders of the community is that they receive a no and they accept the no but find a new path. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the most interesting part of COVID is we've all been given so many no's and we've had to find our way through it. We have. And you did something else that every other leader did. You asked for it. Yes, I did ask for help. And sometimes we forget to ask for it. Mm-hmm. We forget to stand up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We maybe complain, but we don't create the change we're not open to the change i think one thing you know like with covid for instance i always in my mind feel like the creative will survive it's you have to adapt night i'm not going to use the word pivot (laughs) yes i hate that word especially in 2020 i will never say that word again this is the last time you're going to ever hear me say that p word um anyways i you had to adapt and change and maneuver Mm -hmm. and figure out ways to do things and you know, as for, you know, in March of this year, the April issue was already at print. You know, like the mid, we go to print mid-March, mm-hmm. you know, like the middle of the month. And so we were at print when the April issue, issue. Um, so I'll never forget we were like, it was mid-March, mm-hmm. we were on spring break, and then that's when everything happened. And so Abert, I'm on spring, you know, like, and of course... We're not really enjoying spring break because no. <laughs> everything is happening, you know, and I've got advertisers calling me left and right. I need to cancel. I'm canceling. I'm canceling. I'm canceling. I'm canceling. And I'm like, you can't like I've already printed and paid for this. Like, 
I, I can cancel you for May, but I can't. I've already prayed, you know. So, of course, for the month of May, I had nobody advertising. And that's how you pay for the postage and the printing and because it's not cheap. And um, I had to come up with a way, like, how am I going to do this? Like, what am I going to do? And um, so that's when I came up with the idea to sell kind of like graduate you know, so I reached out to, you know, like anybody who wanted to, like, congratulate their grad, their senior graduating, yes. you know, um, and that saved me. That saved me for the month of May. I mean, you know, so you're always having to adjust and just figure a new way, a new path. And, um, you know, I go back to that and I'll always be grateful to the people that because I was I'll always be grateful to the people that that purchased an ad to salute their senior um, because they really helped me. I mean, they they helped me. And, and the magazine is free. So, you know, we mail to 30,000 homes monthly. And so, you know, I needed the help that month. And so I'll never forget the people that, that stepped in and helped, for sure. Well, and I think because you're such a part of community, you – You've given to so many. There's so many charities suffering. Mm -hmm. You have to, you were chairing some events. You're working on the board. Tell us about some of those things that had to modify also and how you figured that out creatively. Because there's a lot of charities out there really suffering. You know, there are. And I think, you know, for me, I'm in a position, I always, I always look at myself. I, I was born and I truly believe this. God put me on this planet to tell other people's stories. Mm -hmm. I'm a storyteller. I don't tell my own story. I tell other people's stories. And um, A, I've been so incredibly blessed, just so incredibly blessed that it is my duty to give back. Mm -hmm. Now, I am not in a position where I can write, you know, $5,000 checks, but I have my time. And I've got the publication that I can help spread the word. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've always, you know, since I started my career in the 90s, I've always, I've always gravitated toward nonprofits and charities. I'll never forget, like, it was in the mid-90s when I was at the community television station. And I was in charge of, I was, like, over community affairs. And I was, I created a thing called Charity Profiles. I was just always drawn to charities for some reason. And was that from your family, your upbringing, or it was wasn't. it just what God put in your heart? It wasn't. I mean, we were not a big volunteer family growing up. Um, you know, my mom would go to church, uh -huh. you know, but we weren't a big volunteer family. So I don't know where that came from. But that spirit, and it's funny because I did the Berkman test not too long ago just to kind of see mm -hmm. my personality. And do you know that that was the number two thing that popped up is my need. It's like a need in me to give back. I mean, it's like a true. I understand. You know, it's weird. It's and really I, weird. I've, I've felt that, too. And I think that we're in such an amazing time that people have multiple ways to give a voice. Because mm -hmm. back when you were in broadcasting, you had to be on TV mm -hmm. or have a magazine mm -hmm. to really get your voice out there. Mm -hmm. And now so much has changed with, with social media, social media, podcasts, podcasts mm -hmm. that, that we can still have a voice and have, have a, a way 
to communicate. And I mm -hmm. th think that's another thing that makes our country so great. Yesterday, I had my nails done, and I have to say, give a shout-out to Sarah at Susan's Nails. I love them. But she was telling me about someone in Vietnam that, smoked, that spoke out against the government in the U.S., not even there. And when they went back to Vietnam, they were arrested. So Ugh. I think it's... Horrible. Amazing that we have a right, and we are certainly fighting for all of our rights right now in our country. Absolutely. But, um, but tell us about the um, the food charity. What is? I'm on the board of Kids Meals. Kids Meals. That's what it is. And it's interesting because you know I was not food deprived as a child. Like mm -hmm. I was not around children that were food deprived. My children are not food deprived. But for some reason, I'll never. It was, it was around in 2012, I called the executive director and I was mm -hmm. like, I wanna be on the board. And she was like, well, let's go to lunch and like you tell me why you wanna be on the board and what you can do. And I was like, I don't know why. I just said, I just feel, I feel a need. You know, I like when I think of little preschool kids not eating their lunch or they, um, a lot of times what happens too is, you know, the elementary school kids don't eat their lunch and they sneak the food and hide it and so they can bring it home to their family. You know, it's just, it's heartbreaking to me to not... And it's almost inconceivable, given what our exposure is. Well, I could not believe, you know, Beth was like, listen, she was like, why don't you volunteer a little bit? Because, mm -hmm. of course, I'd known about the organization and mm -hmm. I'd volunteered. But mm -hmm. she goes, I'll tell you what. She goes, I'm going to give you a route. I'm going to give you a map and a route. You go around and I want you feeding the kids you know, a few times, and then tell me if you're still interested. So the first time I got in my SUV and I have my map and I'm driving around to, like, all these neighborhoods that I didn't even know existed in Houston. And, you know, here I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm this pretty hip girl that I've covered Houston for 20 years. I've seen it all. Well, no, I have not seen it all because, you know, when you drive to a house and you honk your horn and a little toddler comes out in a diaper and you hand them your the brown lunch out your window and they grab it and run back in the house. You know, that was shocking to me. And it happened house after house after house. But also the grandparents or whoever's taking care of these kids are so grateful. There's such gratitude in the grandparents. They're waving from the porch or they're, when they come out, you know, if they come out and get the food, they thank you. And this is done every single day. 5,700 5, meals are served daily. Wow. Daily to these children. And so it's just something in my heart that I felt, you know, I felt called to do. And, and now, you know, I'm just a huge fan of the organization. There, another thing that makes me real happy about the organization is they're so fiscally responsible. You know, every single dime mm -hmm. counts. Um you know, going back to my community television days, mm -hmm. when I created the show Charity Profiles, what I what I did is I wanted to invite 50 charities because back then there was probably there was there was probably 2000 nonprofits in Houston. I don't I don't know. Now even, the number is so much greater. It's got to be greater. Mm -hmm. So back then there was about 2000. So my goal the first year was to get 50 charities to come in, record a 15 minute little interview um, but back then, I really didn't want to be in front of the camera, interestingly enough. Like, I think because I was so young, I was learning. So I thought, hmm, 
how am I going to get these charities to take me serious and come in and record this and, you know, pay a small production fee? And I thought, let me get some people that are respected in the community to do the interviewing. So I got Warner Roberts, Carolyn Farb, Shelby Hodge, Connie Cook, Jan Carson, Jan Glenn. I got all these respected names in the community. And this was in the mid-90s. So they would come in, you know, and so, of course, these charities wanted to get in front of these ladies because yes. they were so respected and still are to this day. And um, so that was and I did charity profiles for three years. And by the time I left, I think it was in 97, we had over 400 charities participate. And so, like, I had days set up like Shelby Hodge had a day. Carolyn Farb had a day, you know, and we would shoot from morning till night. And um, it was awesome. It was so I think that's also where a love of charities, because I got to meet so many and get to know so many of them, you know. And you're such a connector. That's another big part of what we talk about on living the authentic life. Definitely. Collaboration is what I hear in everything. Absolutely. So even today, how do you figure that out? We're talking about being authentic. There's so many. You and I were having this discussion Mm -hmm. is. Like, we are really careful about who we collaborate with and who we recommend to our friends because we want people to know if we're going to give a shout out, if we're going to endorse something, we have to believe in it. You have to believe in it. Um, you know, I it's so weird for me to say that I'm a brand, but I am a brand. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think every single person out there is their own brand. I mean... You know, let's face it, you don't go to the grave with money. You don't go to the grave with with diamonds and furs. You go to the grave with your name, and that's it. And so every person is their own brand and how you're going to, you know, use that brand and what your heart. You know, some people, you know, some people are better check writers. Some Mm -hmm. people are better worker bees. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, I think because of. The profession I've had, and I've just, I know so many people, I love putting people together to help each other, Uh you know, just for nothing else rather than, you know, I think that's what you're put on this earth to do is, you know, you can, you can either live in fear or love and I want to live in love and I want to help people and just, um, it's just the right thing to do. Well, uh, the five principles of collaboration are trust, respect, willingness, empowerment, and communication. So who do you have any collaborations with people coming up that you want to share about? Are there interesting things happening in the memorial community that... You know, I mean, the only thing coming up that I can think of off the top of my head is we do this thing called Ladies of Memorial. When yes. I bought the magazine... In 2017, I changed the name to Swoon. And first of all, everybody's like, why Swoon? Like, what does that mean? And what is a Swoon? And my response is, when anything, like, when you're swooning over something, isn't that a good thing? Like, doesn't, isn't that, like, exhilarating or, you know, what is that? You know, like, so I changed the name to Swoon, and I said the first, in the first couple weeks, I'm going to do an event, and I want to honor women solely on what they're doing for the school districts, for the, um, you know, the community of Memorial, the nonprofits, um, the kids, the parks, 
all of that. And it took me a while to, do, to get it done because I was like, I kept putting it on the back burner like, gosh, another event. Like, do I really want to do an event? Um, but I finally did it in 2019. Uh, in May of 2019, I did it. And it was such an awesome thing. I mean, we take nominations from the memorial community. And I'm talking like people like that you've never heard of mm -hmm. that are just like, you know, they're up at the schools every day just mm -hmm. filing papers or whatever. Um, it was just a whole gamut of, of different women in the in the community. And um, it was just so great. And so we, of course, had it scheduled for May of this year. Yes. Postponed. It's going to be February 5th. And um, we will have social distancing in place. And <laughs> Um, everybody has to wear their masks, you know, while they're not at their tables. And um, but I'm, uh, I was determined. I said, I am doing this event. I'm not doing it virtual, or I'm not doing it. You know, it's going to be in person because I want these women who work so hard to be recognized. And not only that, it's not so much about the women, but it's about promoting the charities that mm -hmm. they represent. Mm -hmm. It's getting the word out about them. And I'm going to put all the women on the cover in the February, on the February issue of the cover. The women will be on the cover. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm just, I love this event. I'm just, it's just grassroots, you know, a big celebration, you know, of well, these great I'm women. I'm excited to have an event. I yes. have to say that uh, we were also talking about this in our group on Tuesday is that now that we've slowed down, Maybe we won't pick up as much and add to our schedules I don't at think the we level will. we did. I don't think we will. I really because don't. Because now that I have space to uh, be at home on the couch with Bella or... It's different. It is. I say my husband travels. And so since the pandemic, he's been working from home. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I have to say, I mean, we've really enjoyed just... Um, we've really enjoyed just you know, being home together, which mm -hmm. is, you know, we've been together 20 years. I mean, who, you know, but we've really enjoyed just reconnecting. And I've said from the second week that this thing hit, you know, the second, second week we were on lockdown, I said to my husband, I said, this was God's way of hitting the reset button on us. Absolutely. Just reset. Like things have got to slow down, you know, calm down and just, um, People need to refocus on family, on God, on country, on just everything. Just everything that um, our country was founded on. You know, we have got to focus on that again. Speaking of country, mm -hmm. you uh, came out in support of Dan Crenshaw. I and did. We've, we've been careful of being people that speak to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. We also supported Wesley Hunt, but we've been careful not to really pick people in political races. But I know that you stepped out to I did. And tell us why you chose him and what, why you felt confident. What's interesting about, about Dan is... Um, and let me just say, too, it's, it's you know, coming from a, I will say this, coming from a broadcast background, mm -hmm. I'll never, free, you know, things have changed a bunch. When I was on television back in the 90s and 2000s, up till 2011 even, we were not allowed to in any way say whether we were Republican or Democrat in any way. 
it's it's uh, we had to sign papers on it. It was it was major. It's like there's all kinds of FCC paperwork. And I'll never forget, I um, there was a guy running for mayor, Orlando Sanchez. Mm-hmm. He was a dear friend of mine, had a major crush on him, <laughs> loved him. And he was running for mayor, and he, um, I invited him on the show. We couldn't talk politics. I just wanted, like, I just thought it was cute. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I'm going to so, say, no, no, no offense, so we, Brent. <laughs> we made, no, I wasn't even married to Brent yet. In fact, in fact, the night... I met Brent when he was running for mayor. Like, yeah, he, it was. It's a long story, but anyways. So I invited Orlando on to cook a flan recipe. Oh, funny! You know, and like from his grandmother or something. And um, you know, so of course I had to invite his opponent on, and they didn't want to. He didn't want to come on. I even forgot who it was. But back then, everything was fair, the mm-hmm. equal time. I mean, you had to have equal time. It's not like that anymore. It's just not like that. Um, it's just different. It's, it's very, it's, the media is very different. Church and state used to be separate. It's not, I mean, it's just, it's very different now. And I'll be honest, I'm very glad that I'm not, I don't like the way the media has gone. I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest. I just don't. I don't think it's, I think everybody should keep their opinions to their self, especially when you have a voice and you're broadcasting it. Mm-hmm. You have to keep. I just feel you have you should keep your opinions to yourself. But anyways, let's go back to Dan Crenshaw. Yeah. So feeling that, why did you break that and decide to support him? The reason I decided to vocally support Dan Crenshaw, and he's the only one that I really vocally, I really, actually, I can't say that because I really like Wesley Hunt too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I choose a person for the candidate. I don't choose necessarily by party i choose by the candidate pretty much but dan crenshaw a he's a former navy seal read his book i met him several times during the pandemic he was out passing masks out all over like which i know a lot of candidates did that i think what really resonated with me is a my brother-in-law is a navy seal a former navy seal so i felt you know that connection to him mm-hmm. And then after listening to him speak, um, what a patriot. I mean, plain and simple. Take politics aside, he's an American patriot. That's it. And that's that's where my heart is. You know, we were raised, my brother and I were raised to be um, patriots and to love our country, love God, our country, you know, family. That's how we were raised. And so... That's, you know, and so, yes, I was and I am a big fan of his, a big one. Um, And if you haven't read his book, you need to read his book, Fortitude. It's just it's a great book. And it's um, I'll tell you this. It's now that he's can focus probably a little bit more on this book now. um, You know, he's probably going to get more well known than he already is because this book is really, really good. He just hasn't put any attention on the book because he was running for office, you know. Well, I think the nation kind of noticed him also when Saturday Night Live took a a shot at him. There is no such thing as bad press. (laughs) No such, there is, there is no bad press. Doesn't he have like two million followers on Instagram? I think it's more than that. I mean, he's got a big, big following. And I know so many of my Democrat friends 
love him. They just adore him because he's awesome. he's just a good person. Well, for me, um, he did a lot to help with sex trafficking, and he brought absolutely um, the bill up um, to help put some guidelines. And um, so anyone that supports that, I, too, supported Wesley Hunt. He was on our podcast. But um, I work very closely with Kim Ogg, and she's a Democrat, and she does huge things for trafficking. So for me, it's more about— the uh, where my passions lie and Absolutely. where my heart and that's how everybody should be. Yeah, everybody should be like that. I totally agree. So tell us a little bit about people are passionate about being on the news. Mm-hmm. Is it is that should it be passionate about being on the news or should it be passionate about delivering the news? Like tell us a little bit about where you feel like people should take their creativity if they're thinking about this and how they really can look at their gut and see if it's right for them. I think it needs, in what what terms, if what's right for them? Well, um, I'm kind of leading the question because I feel like, and I'll just say it, I feel like so many people on social media or so many people that are, are known now are doing it for the celebrity side of it as opposed to having their heart in it or having a mission to it and being good friends with Deborah Duncan. Also, she said so many people come to her and go, oh, I want to be on TV. And she's like, well, you need to not want to be on TV. You need to want to have a voice and mm-hmm. allow people to have that voice. Mm-hmm. So can you she's, talk a little bit about that? Again, it goes back to that's what I think I was born to do. Tell people stories. You know, when I was on the show, when I was hosting the show, um, I would have mothers from drunk driving on, you know, who had just lost a son, you know, or daughter to a drunk driver. And I wanted to get their story out. You know, like it's it's all about you. You know, if there's a young kid out there, I get this all the time. Like, mm-hmm. same with how do I like, do it? How, how do, do I break in? How do I get on TV? Like, how do I become my own host? And it's not easy, I'll tell you that, because there's not any, there's not that many talk show hosts. Um, I think you, you know, like I tell this to my daughter, Dylan, who she's a junior and she's, you know, someday she's like, yeah, I want to do, I want to, I want to be like you. And then earlier she's like, no, you know, all you do is blah, 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 blah. So Bella only doesn't want to be me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know every time I say to Dylan, you know, someday you can you can own this, Dylan. Like this could be yours someday. She's like, uh, no, thank you. Like, no, thanks. Like, OK. You and know. Yes. Bella was telling her friends what she wanted to do was travel the world and do it for business and be able to experience all of it. And they go, isn't that your parents' Parents business? And she goes, no, no, I don't want to do that. No, not them. (laughs) That is so funny. I mean, that cracks me up. That is the kids are so funny. And again, it goes back to these millennials and these other kids (laughs) that they think they're going to like just walk into their dream job and they don't, you know, they don't know. I cannot wait till my child has to earn a living. She's going to be so shocked that, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. But no, I tell people, you know, I, I have lots of interns that work for me and, you know, I tell them all the time, like, you know, what is your end goal? You know, and I give them steps to get, and I am a huge proponent of interns, I and mentors, 
I had a lot of mentors that helped me and I have a lot of interns that I'm giving it back and teaching them and helping them because um, inter interns are so, so, so important. I could have never gotten to where I was if I did not have people take me under their wing, like um, Carolyn Farb. I mean, uh, in the mid-90s, she literally, we met, and we met at an event. It was one of my very first events, and I don't even think I was really holding my silverware correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, not that I grew up, you know, but you know what I'm saying when there's like, when you're at a fancy event, there's a lot of silverware, you know, and you're like kind of amen, you know, and you're, you're like, like oh my god, to the left, right yeah, I'm like I'm 25, you know, I'm in this big fancy gala, and there's all this silverware, and I'm like, uh, you know, but she really, really, honestly, she took me under her wing when I was in my mid 20s, and she taught me so much. She just. She was a good mentor. Now, not everybody's going to have a Carolyn Farb mentor them, you know, um, but you get who you can. It could be somebody through your church or somebody through the school or somebody through college. You know, you grab on to anybody you can who will teach you, you know, and help you. And the other thing that I've shared with Bella is she started doing our Pinterest board. I said, this is something that mm -hmm. you're already doing. You're already on Pinterest. If we send you our pictures, you know what kids like. You know what people like. Post you have them. Post it. Do it. And um, Now, y'all should be paying her for that. <laughs> no, we do, actually. Yes, that's you her. Should. That's her job. That's her know? job. And so when she makes money, yeah. she can go shopping. And right. we have a running tally. And so she's kind of earning her shopping budget. Mm -hmm. Well, Dylan, she, you know, she tutors. She's got a little tutoring company where she's a junior, but um, she's bright in some subjects. And she got that from my husband, not me, um, for sure. She tutors, though, little kids, like elementary school. So she more... She did inherit the mentoring gene from me. I will give her that. So she goes out and she tour and she mentors and she tutors kids and she gets paid for it. So like as an elementary school, you know, a parent's busy or something, sitting down with elementary school kids, you know, and doing homework is not fun. So they hire my daughter to do it. So she's got her own little business going and, you know, she's got to save her money and, you know, just because I'm telling you what these kids want. They want nice stuff. Stuff that I didn't get when I grew up. Absolutely. No, so if you, you need to earn that money, you know, I mean, you got to go out and you got to work for it. So so she works like 15 hours a week and, you know. And I find that that's also great. Um, we um, are super close with my brother's family and my nephew Barrett work with us and he's at A&M now. But, um, so cute. Yes. And um, his girlfriend, Anna, was helping Bella with cheer. And I think it's also good to have older kids because middle school is so hard. Again, this mentoring thing, even if they're just a few years older, they can talk about problems growing up and mm -hmm. friend drama and so all much. these different things I... that go on. Because it's true. And I try to share that even as an adult, I have friend drama and challenges, and they're not just the only ones going through Listen, it. Listen, we're the type of family where, you know, we're very open. We talk about stuff. I'm not saying she tells me because she's a teenager, you know. But, you know, we had the sex talk with both kids when they were mm -hmm. very young, you know. And, 
you know, we talked openly about our periods and menstruation and, you know, and it, I do have to say this. It, it was, I might not recommend this, but it was kind of <laughs> funny because, you know, if she was being grumpy or, or whiny or frankly bitchy, you know, like sometimes I would say, oh, are you on your period? Like, why are you being like this, Dylan? You know, and finally our little boy was like, okay. Y'all are always talking about Dylan's period. What is a period? So we we're like, oh crap! Now we got to tell him what a period is. <laughs> so we have to. We all sit down and we oh explain to God. Brooks. And then he looks at us. He looks at me and Brent, my husband, and he was like, "Ew, that means y'all did it twice." Because <laughs> we have two kids. So yeah, yes, Brooks, we did it two times. So that is fabulous. Isn't that funny? So, yes, we're the type of family where we're very open about, you know, things and talking because I would rather my kids hear it from me than from their friends. You know, I don't want them hearing anything, you know, um, I just don't. I want them hearing it from me and I want them hearing things in a godly way, too. Yes. You know, I want them hearing I want them hearing things in a godly way. So, well, and I think it's an interesting time because they're so um, exposed, not just to TV, because I remember that I grew up very Catholic and the church would tell us that we couldn't watch certain shows on TV. Mm-hmm. Well, now our kids are so exposed to so much on their phone that we don't even know about. We have no clue. And um, there's been some challenges and friendships um, uh in middle school. Of course. And um, one of the girls even said, oh, you're just doing it because your family did it. And that really kind of stuck out with me. It's like, what is so bad about having a value because your family did it or because your grandparents had it? And I've, I've been really diving into learning about Blue Zones, and that's where people live to be 100. I have to. I have the book. You do. My brother bought me the book for Christmas last year, yes. It's pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. And a lot of those places, there are multi-generational people together mm-hmm. as parts of the family. So mm-hmm. it's the great-great-great-grandparent, and the, and it goes down. And How they're learning from everyone. And we, as a community don't necessarily have that because we're all moving around mm-hmm. so much and our lives are so busy. I will tell you this too. I I'm 52, we're the same age. Yes. I lost my grandmother when I was 45. So I had my grandmother a really long time. I just lost her 7 years ago. And then I lost my mom 5 years ago. And so, you know, for so long it was, you know, my kids, especially my brother's kids, they really got to enjoy the multi-generational. Mm-hmm. I, I tell all of my friends that still have their parents, please cherish that because I took it for granted. I, I, my mom was always around and I just, you know, I thought she'd always be there, mm-hmm. you know, and I totally took it for granted. So I tell all my friends with moms, don't take it for granted. Cause trust me when she's not there, it's it's a hole that will never get filled. It will never be replaced. I mean, I'm five years out, and you know she's still uh, she's still very missed. You know, it's just it gets easier, but she, it's just a big big hole. Especially if you have a really close relationship with your mom. It's you know I tell all my friends like the other day someone was complaining. Oh my mother, she's just being a pain in the butt. And then I was like. You've got her. Like, don't even, don't say that because you're so blessed you still have her, you know. 
So it's interesting you brought up the multi-generational because that is so important and it's, it's, it's a lost tradition. And I want to say that, um, and I've shared this in past episodes, but I have had a challenging family dynamic. Growing up Italian, we're very passionate, so we say everything we think, which that is not always a good thing, and there's been pain and challenge, and now um, we are all reconnected. I'm reconnected with my brother and his family and my dad, and I can say... Um, because leaving the family business to start the Vintage Contessa brought a lot of pain into our family. I'm sure. And um, there was abandonment issues. There was anger. There were things said. And we've all just chosen to forgive each other. Please. And we've all yeah. chosen to move on. And I think the greatest thing is that Bella has seen the forginess playing out. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I've also seen a lot that's of a people. Huge, that's huge. I mean, you know, forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is something that you, you can't live a full life without forgiveness. You know, so for you guys to do that is, it's big. That's It's amazing. no less than a miracle. I mean, we we're, again, we're a family of faith. So we believe that God helped that process, but it was a lot of um, humble pie and mm. just um, humbling yourself to say mm. that you're sorry and to not look at the other person. So um, I just, uh, I think it's, I think it's part of our authentic walk. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're out of time, but I would love to hear kind of after our whole talk, um, you are so authentic. You've shared so beautifully. You're um, an amazing friend. You give so much to the community. Thank You're an you. incredible mother. You're a strong businesswoman. You've overcome adversity mm-hmm. in ways that so many people um couldn't do, haven't done, mm-hmm. haven't been able to to do. So um how people searching for authenticity in their life and their hearts and their relationships. Mm-hmm. Can you give some parting words and thoughts? Just always be transparent, you know, just always be the real you, you know, give with love, you know, don't expect anything in return, um, you know, and just, you know, a, a good friend of mine said to me, you know, your, your day starts when you go to bed at night. Because you dream, you have dreams. So if you go to bed angry or upset or pissed off or whatever, you're going to wake up probably in that same mood. So I always go to bed, you know, peaceful, you know, um, just loving, thankful, gratitude, just beyond grateful for everything that I've been given, just beyond grateful, you know. And I try to do a gratitude list at least three things a day. Go to sleep with three things that happened in your day to be grateful for. That's it. Just three little things. And it's pretty amazing. It'll, it, it'll change your life. It yes, will. because everything we have that we need for life is in us if we mm-hmm. find it and if we look for it. Because mm-hmm. God has given us all that. We have it all. We have, we have a connection to him. We have it all. And if you choose gratitude, it's hard to feel anger and pain. You can't. It's, impo- it's, you, it's, yep. it's impossible to you. You know, it, it's, it, they don't go together. It's impossible. Well, thank you for your love Aww, and for sharing this you, day friend. with us. I know. It was a, a great um, 
everything. And I even learned so much about you. And Stacy Benton posted on um, a direct message. She's like, oh, I love her. Aww, <laughs> so love that's her. the other great thing about so social Stacey, media. Yeah, she and I grew up together. So yes. we were like really, really good friends growing up together. So I love that. Yes. Well, um, guys, certainly share this with your friends um next week we are talking about trafficking we have john stallings assistant da to come in and talk with us um with amy pierce from houston 20 and we're going to continue that journey just bringing more information and um certainly reach out to lara if you want to help with um the kids um Kids and meals. Kids or... and meals, yes. And um, learn more about getting involved with her magazine. That'd be great. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys.